like I'm a big advocate for like experimenting when you're at uni, when you're a student. I mean, you've got like your whole life of doing what other people want you to do. So I think university is a really great time to do what you want to do, do the style that you want, do like find your own voice, find your own things that you like. I think that's when you should be able to do those things. Hello and welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Ozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Yushua Shahid. She is an Indian artist working as a background designer at A24. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Hi, um, thank you first of all so much for having me here. It's a, yeah, thanks for it's being a big on. honor. Yeah, I'm Yusra, and I'm an Indian artist, and I happen to work in the animation industry as a background designer and a visual development artist. I've grown up in Malaysia, so that's home for me, too, and I've lived in different places. Uh, I've lived in Australia and in England, and now I'm in L.A. Awesome. That's crazy. Well, well traveled. <laughs> yeah, I've been yeah, I've been fortunate <laughs> enough to do that, but it's been fun. I, I am restless now, mm-hmm. though. Like that's maybe not the great <laughs> side effect. Every six months, I'm like, yeah, I should leave. <laughs> like be in a different place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way we like to start off on straight ahead is by playing a little game called in between we're gonna give you two similar choices and you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why okay let's do it all right awesome i'll start us off with the first question would you rather be an animal on the world of ernest and celestine or in the world of frog and toad oh that is the hardest question yet oh my god um (laughs) god um in the world of those characters? Yes. Visually, yeah. <laughs> Ernest and Celestine <laughs> is just, uh, mm. like, imagine living in that world. I'd just be like, this mm-hmm. is heaven because everything's so beautiful. Aww. Not that Frog and Toad yeah. isn't beautiful, but I think the um, appeal with Frog and Toad is that everything is just so happy and nice mm. and it's just positive. Mm. <laughs> like, all the characters are so um helpful and like it's like one of those towns where nothing ever goes wrong um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's pretty as well so you know what i think i'm gonna go with frog and toad that was a really difficult one though (gasps) oh wow what kind of tipped it for you for frog and toad though just the community of it or yeah the community i think because everything is just yeah and like you can walk to places and it's like Mm-hmm. wholesome and everyone's like baking cookies <laughs> you know like that's like <laughs> that's the mm-hmm. ideal world i think for you guys yeah 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 oh man mm-hmm. i absolutely love frog and toad i read all the books when i was like a little kid oh yeah and uh it's so cool to hear that there there's a series coming out yeah um on apple apple plus but Ah, uh, because okay, I've seen bits and pieces. I've actually, I've never actually fully seen uh, Ernest and Celestine. <gasps> no oh, way. Okay, yeah. Uh, but like, I I know they're like um like they actually like uh they they live in a city, right? It's like there's there's like no insinuation of humans. Like it's just like yeah, them. sort of. So there's two separate societies. Is like 
the mouse sort of like city mm-hmm. they have like mm-hmm. a little bit of like mechanical technology and then the bear sort of town where it's just a little bit more like a normal kind of like a normal kind of yeah, yeah town i don't think it's modern it's a little bit more like yeah it's it's like the my mm-hmm. city is like underground and it's maybe not like yeah probably not the best place to live <laughs> it's like in the yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess yeah. that's another so may- maybe if i was a bear yeah if you were you want to be a bear yeah. yeah i'd be i would be a bear then because like i like i like the world of frog and toad but also it's like um there's just so many different animals i still remember that one uh story of like how toad is waiting forever for like the snail to come <gasps> oh, with his yeah, litter yeah mm-hmm. and it just like it's really like they do have houses and stuff but it's like it's like very like it's like more like rural like there's still like plenty mm-hmm. of plants and vegetation so there isn't really like a kind of city mm-hmm. life and stuff so i think i would like more of that city life in uh esther and celestine versus frog and toad so i think that's what mm-hmm. interests it out for me so what you're just saying you. is capitalism got to you right <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn uh, you sure really good free <laughs> oh, damn i mean you're right but like ouch <laughs> no i was just kidding no i, I get I, you I, I i yeah i i'm i'm used to my modern amenities i'm like I can't. They've got dental care up I in the can't. bear world, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I need I need yeah. that dental. <laughs> I th- I really thought it was funny. Uh, uh, spoilers, Ray. A major plot point in Ernest and Celestine is the dental care industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, which is like really funny to me. <laughs> They've got another Ernest and Celestine coming out, or it's out already. Something like that. I'm so yeah. excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's so there's excited. a second one. Yeah. I think I would also go with Frog and Toad here because it, I don't know, just the idea of like living in a place in a little neighborhood and everybody's so nice. It sounds really lovely. Um, if but if I was in Ernest and Celestine, I would still be a mouse. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, she, yeah, she, she, yeah. She has her mouse Sona. I have a I have a, a mouse Sona. <laughs> oh, okay. I get you. I get you. It's wow, just a preference. Well, I also cool. like. I also really like the society where they have like the little like little elevators and gadgets or whatever that they made underground. I just think it's so cute. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really well like conceptualized. Yeah, mm. I love mm-hmm. the contrast in the big and the small, and I think like I have that in my art a lot as well. Like I just love that kind of contrast. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. All right, final question. Would you rather go on a mission with Ladybug and Chat Noir from Miraculous Ladybug or with Sam, Alex, and Clover from Totally Spice? I think that for me is a no-brainer. I grew up watching Totally Spice <laughs> oh, wow. and I was just like... <laughs> I was I was a big Totally Spice fan. Oh, um, totally Spice was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? It's like it's like the culmination of everything I like. It's like just beautiful outfits, mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. gadgets, and they're going on these like adventures and oh my god, it's just everything that I like. Mm-hmm. Um all mm-hmm. in one. Yeah, it was great. So Totally Spice hands down. Wow. Have you seen have you seen Miraculous Ladybug? <laughs> I actually have okay. not. Okay, I hear it's. I hear it's very good. I have also not seen it. Yet. 
it's it's weird in the state because it's out of order right because of like it's it's a french it's um, french show yeah 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 but the the licensing and stuff in the states like different things came out at different times it's like yeah there's no coherent way to watch it right now right Mm -hmm. well it's funny because totally spies was also french technically yeah it's from the canadian isn't it studio right yeah yeah yeah, they had some really good ninth, like early two thousand kind of cartoons back, like the Canadian studios. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like Nirvana and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did some really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Total drama. It's like probably one of oh, my favorites. Oh yeah, total drama. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, I love, I love Totally Spies. I love the fact that they also had different outfits. It kind of like mm-hmm. broke the yeah. It broke that fourth wall of cartoons where they always wear the same outfit, and they're <laughs> like, oh, these people actually have different outfits. This actually makes sense. I know, and they were so bomb. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. They're they're really good. I mean, I can't even imagine how much fun the character designers had, or maybe mm-hmm. not. <laughs> if they did, <laughs> it seemed fun. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, no, I but, but I, I totally get it. It could totally go both ways. It's like, oh, cool, like yeah, like finally, like I get to do different. Things. I was like, oh fuck, I gotta make another design. My deadline's like at this is in a week. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah, <laughs> they're like, I gotta tap into the teens, the teen fashion. <laughs> it's like this, like fifty-year-old like yeah. man just drawing. <laughs> Uh, I don't know who did it, but um, yeah. no, they did a really good job. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, all the outfits were really amazing. Oh, mm-hmm. Man, yeah, totally spies. I yeah, I, I gotta agree with you here. I mean, maybe bias, but like, yeah, the the gadgets, the idea of like, I guess because you were saying like, oh, you're in one place for t- like six months or too long, getting stir crazy already. Like they're traveling around a lot, you know, doing missions. Ah, uh, so. yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good yeah. point. Yeah, that too. That's mm-hmm. a good point. Um, because yeah, I guess for me, what it boils down to is like, do I want to be a superhero or do I yeah. want to be a spy? Mm-hmm. Because uh, like the the traveling the world sounds really really cool, and but. I always wanted to be a superhero because that's oh man, like, be a superhero then. Ah, uh, spies are kind of like undercover superheroes. <laughs> I feel like, like uh, spies are kind of like the Batman of superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> they have like the gadgets and the stuff, mm-hmm. and they're still busting the bad guys. So mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> okay, he- he- here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'm thinking about now. Okay, all right. Ah. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was ever said, but I would assume they they are. The, the totally spies are paid, right? Uh, I don't know if they like say that. I think in the premise they're yeah. just like we're spies now. <laughs> you would assume, like, because if they're like a trained spy, you assume they'd be getting a paycheck. Because otherwise, why would they be? Why they be doing that? Because when you're a superhero, it's like, oh, you're doing this out of like being a good Samaritan. I think they do because in one of the episodes, I think they had like a credit card or something that was like. A work credit card, if I'm not mistaken, mm. and Clover was doing a lot okay. of shopping or something on it, and Jerry was like, "I don't, I don't know if I'm imagining this." But he was like, <laughs> "He's just making an episode up in your head." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds it sounds familiar though. It sounds I feel right? like I've seen that. And they live in like this amazing <laughs> mansion, so mm-hmm. I feel like they should be because also where are their parents? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think show up a few times. I'm pretty sure. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with being a spy because I'm I'm assuming right. it comes with a paycheck. Lock it in. <laughs> Got it. 
Again with the capitalism <laughs> of you, Ray. <laughs> yeah, you, you really pegged Ray on uh, the capitalism. That was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's a theme. This episode has a theme brought to you by Ray. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, that was a fun uh, session of In Between. Thanks so much for playing with us. That was super fun. <laughs> Okay, great. Yeah, those are great questions. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. And to our audience, if you have any suggestions for future in between questions, send us a message either on Twitter or Instagram at straightaheadap or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. So yeah, without further ado, let's get started. So we're so happy to have you on, uh, Yusra. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us today. Thank you for having me. Um, not too busy. Today's Saturday, <laughs> so uh, we're chill. We're good. Um, and I'm ready to talk my heart out today. <laughs> yes. All right. Sweet. Okay. So let's start off by asking, uh, what is the typical workday like for a background designer at A24? So it's pretty standard. Uh, I wake up, I have my big bowl of choco chimps. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> For people listening, it's like this chocolate cereal and I'm addicted to that. <laughs> yeah, we get briefed on a different episode every about two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, and we get all of us. Yeah, we get um, assigned a couple of backgrounds and it's all like the designers there, the supervisor, the director. And we even have paint come on as well, just to see. And we go through everyone's mm. backgrounds, what we need from everyone, and any questions that we as designers might have. And then we're kind of left to our own devices until the next launch. We do check in, like I check in with my background supervisor with my roughs, and then um, I clean them up. We've got like reviews every week as well, just like looking through all the stuff that we've done, any notes that the EP director supervisor might have. And that's basically it. Uh, that's really mm -hmm. cool. That's because uh, the thing I'm also kind of curious about, like A24 is like, I feel like they're starting to get a lot more name recognition in recent years compared to yeah. years past, especially with like, uh, well, obviously everything everywhere all at once. And Marcel the Shell came out last yeah. year, and that was really popular. Yeah, I was gonna say Marcel the Shell. Well, that brilliant. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like A twenty four is starting to kind of become like a bigger yeah. studio. Yeah, a bigger studio. Yeah. I was gonna say a household name, but like I don't know if I would go that far yet. But like it is starting, at least within the animation community, it's like yeah, and the movie buffs. I feel mm -hmm. like it's yeah. more well known. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. In the in the in the movie buffs for sure. But yeah, so what is it like working at a studio like A24? Like, is there more like, because the projects that they take on or they're willing to do is like really weird or really out there, especially like, again, thinking like everything everywhere all at once. And then Marcel Lachelle, like, do you feel that within the vibe of the studio or like the vibe of the project? Like it's like out there or it's like there's more liberties and chances being taken? Yeah, the thing I like about A24 is they tend to take on a lot of projects that are, um, you know, by creators who are diverse and i think mm. you can see like the storytelling within their movies and tv shows are it's kind of different because we're having more independent voices coming through stories diverse stories and so you can see it like i feel mm -hmm. like i can really see that there's a difference between a24 and other companies because the people telling the stories mm. are 
you know, not the standard people that we usually see telling stories. So that's one thing. And and even the show that I'm working on, I think, is about a Muslim family. Um, and it's called Number One oh. Happy Family oh. USA, which just got announced. Oh. <laughs> and it's by this comedian, Arami Yusuf. He's the creator and he's, he's really, really funny. Well, he's a comedian, but he's just... And he's got a show on Hulu as well called Rami. <laughs> and... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the fact that it's like, you know, about a Muslim family, and I think it's one of the first animated shows about a Muslim family. And our whole like Slack channel is like, Mm. just, you know, like we're sharing like our own cultural stories, like photos, like, you know, we've got like iftar dinners, you know, from like Ramadan related and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So definitely see that vibe Mm. coming through just working on a show like that you get to learn about different cultures different um diverse stories and that's just to me that's incredibly fun and refreshing because i'm like we've got people still championing these stories and it's just it makes me so hopeful for the future and i hope that continues and yeah you know we keep green lighting stuff like that yeah like i I feel like there were a lot of shows recently mm-hmm. that did get greenland that were from diverse creators, but unfortunately got canceled. And that was really, really, really um, sad for the yeah. POC mm-hmm. community, especially because we were like, we were getting somewhere and then we, mm-hmm. we didn't get there. But hopefully, like, you know, um, they find new homes mm-hmm. and we can still continue that. So, yeah, that's what I like about working at A24 for now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, like, things can change in the future, and... Yeah. I mean, I personally don't believe in, like, company loyalty because of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it is great that they're doing it right now, and, you know, what you're working on. That sounds so awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because every production is different. I think every show is different, every production is different. It doesn't really Mm -hmm. necessarily have to do with the company that you're working with, because... It's really what, like, the environment that the people working mm-hmm. with you create that informs what your experience is. And yeah. the creators, the EPs, you know, even mm-hmm. down to, like, production managers and stuff. So it's really down to that as well. So I'm lucky that this show yeah. has been really great so far. Knock on wood. But I hope that we keep creating inclusive, diverse <laughs> workplaces and um, allowing space for those stories to appear on screen. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you also recently wrapped up on some freelance for Nickelodeon. What was that experience like and how do you balance uh, that with your full-time work? Yeah, so I get contacted for freelance for a lot of shows in development um, and that was what the Nickelodeon Mm. gig was about and those are my favorite Mm. kind Mm. of freelance work because as an artist Mm. I as a background artist especially like you you know get brought on a show that's uh, like where the style is already set and you don't really have too much creative freedom which is fine like you know that's good too in its own place but as an artist you kind of really want that creative freedom and for shows and development a lot of the time you get to draw in your own style you get to build even a style for the show which is insane but mm-hmm. just really incredibly fun so that was what was really fun about my job at Nickelodeon and you know other shows that I've worked on and that were in development 
I just get to, someone gets to tell me like, look, this is the story. This is the script. This is a storyboard. Tell me what your brain imagines. And I just draw that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's just so fun for me. Mm -hmm. As far as balancing work life and freelance, I'm not very good at it. (laughs) I'm still trying to work that out. Um, (laughs) Like how many hours do you usually like dedicate to like your freelance time? Like is 40, like it's a 40 hour work week on your full time job. Like how many hours of freelance do you like try to dedicate or are you willing to commit? I think I cap it at 15. I can't like, yeah, yeah. So I I won't be able to do more than 15 hours a week. I usually tell people like, look, that's all I can do. So I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I cap it at 15. Um, It's hard, uh, to be honest, because I think I'm not one of those artists that kind of like draw, like all the time. I feel like there are certain people that really just keep drawing even after work. And that's not me. I feel like I have a drawing meter. Yeah. And it like refreshes every day mm-hmm. and usually it runs out through just my full-time work. So yeah, it is difficult for me, but I feel like if the project is really interesting and the people behind it are really excited about their project and then I'm like, how can I say no to this? Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I kind of like mentally prepare myself. I'll be like from these dates to this date, I'll be, I'll be booked. So I have to like mentally prepare myself be like, Mm-hmm. I have to spend an hour or two hours after work to do it or like spend some time on the weekend. And then, yeah, I guess time management is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair that you say that you're not really managing it that well right now. Because I think everybody kind of goes through those like, oh, I am dedicating too much time to this or like I-, I need to figure out how to make this workflow faster and just like communicate with who's hiring me for freelance and like you know Mm -hmm. yeah i I can only give this much time yeah i think Mm -hmm. you get like uh to a point in your career where you get offers but then you're not you're not able to take everything i think when you're starting out it's like you take everything you can get because they're more scarce and so you're like yeah Mm -hmm. i just have to say yes to everything and then at some point, you're just like, I think I'm okay with what I'm mm-hmm. doing right now. And it's it's a shift. And at first, you might be like, oh, no, I'm letting that opportunity go. But then you kind of have to like take care of yourself and figure out what's best for you because you want to give your 100% to mm-hmm. every project you're working on. No, we, Yuki and I definitely had like a friend that overtook too much freelance oh. the, to the point that got yes. burnt out. <laughs> And yeah. I think I think they had to go through that to kind of like learn their lesson of like, okay, I can let some of these opportunities slip by. Yeah, burning out is like it can totally happen if you're taking too much stuff on. Mm-hmm. Because like that's the thing. Like, I mean, freelance is also like an extra paycheck and like an extra money, but like you also kind of wanna enjoy and have it be a little fun, especially if you're doing kind of like what you're saying, like early development or like, you know, kind of like in that blue sky stage where you're just I'm um, doing a lot of, uh, you know, early uh, development for pitches or shows and development. And like, if you take on too much, you just don't really put your all in a single project. Kind of like you feel like you're just, mm-hmm. you might be putting the bare minimum just to kind of get through. And like, if you're going to be doing extra work, have it at least be semi fun. Yeah, for sure. And like, I feel like people don't realize how much full time work takes out of you, like, even physically, like, you know, like, you're drawing for eight hours Mm -hmm. it's no like Mm -hmm. easy thing like it's it's physically um demanding as well so like i would say 
make sure you take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we also kind of want to talk about is that you have such a lovely whimsical style to your illustrations. We can totally see that matching up to some of your previous projects like Frog and Toad and Sesame Street. Could you talk to us a little bit about your inspirations um, for your art? Oh, thank you. That's a really sweet compliment. Yeah, I think even before I properly started drawing for myself, um, I started building a visual library of the kind of art that I like from artists and also like animated shows and Mm. um, films. And so like throughout the years, I think I've just been accumulating this visual library, um, both physically and, you know, in my mind. And I think all of that informs my style in like subtle ways and i feel like it's a really great way to build like an artistic vision as well which i think is like it helps you and then build like a style but also i think Mm -hmm. my whimsy comes a lot from just really being in love with that like children like illustrations like style you know like fairy tales Mm kind of like things but maybe a more direct answer for that would be that I am like obsessed <laughs> with a different artist every few months. Um, like currently I'm <laughs> obsessed with like Miyazaki and not just like his mm. conceptual work from for his movies, but also like his personal like graphic novel kind of work. Like I just bought like Shuna's Journey. I don't know if mm. you guys have ever read it. But I just love his like mm. sketchy watercolor style and the fact that he's able to like show what he's thinking of and concepting without being too like clean about it. And I think that sketchy style mm-hmm. is really fun for me right now. So I'll just find like different artists and pieces of art that I like, like that and be like, okay, what do I like about this? Like, is it the lighting? Is it like the sketchy style? Mm. Is it like, the way they draw leaves, like it could be something really specific like that. And I think all of that kind of like then builds mm. my visual library and then it informs my art in like ways I can't even like remember, you know, it just happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, that's really great. I think that's something similar to what I recommend, like younger board artists who like are trying to like figure out what they like or what they want to board and just like, find the favorite scenes from your favorite shows or your favorite movies and just board out that scene try to understand why you enjoy it and like really see the cinematography that's kind of happening the way the board artist or director is cutting from shot to shot and like kind of yeah same thing building a mental library of like uh of shot selections and shot choices Mm -hmm. can be really really helpful especially kind of having that kind of self-discovery of like oh damn i really like really intense moments this is like my jam this is what i like or like i really like when these fast-paced moments this is what gets me going you know when you're drawing things that you like when you get to that point where you have enough and you're drawing things that you like it just becomes so enjoyable for you like you know it's not like a like a task where you're like oh my god like i don't you know like i don't like it what i'm doing like that's the struggle in the beginning but at a point you get to where it's like Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying the way my art looks, the way my process is, the way it looks at the end. And that's like so rewarding. At that point, you're like, okay, I found my voice, you know, it's just the best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the next thing is like, even like a hard line, more grounded style, like the night at the museum doesn't really stop you from adding a bit of flair 
How was that experience working on a style that's so different from your own? Yeah, I think um, Night at the Museum was like my first proper entry into the world of animation, like my proper breakthrough. Um, Mm. So at that point, I felt like I was really hungry to be in the industry. And I was just like, I will do whatever, like, just give me whatever jobs you've got, whatever style, I'll do it. I'll learn (laughs) it. Um, I was just so eager to be in it. So I think it was a, a fun challenge for me. I don't think I thought of it as something that was like, it was going to be difficult because I, I knew that, you know, being in, in the industry as a background mm-hmm. designer meant that you had to work in other people's style, other people's show style. So that's something like I knew from the get go. Things mm-hmm. that helped me is that every show, they usually have like a guide, a style guide. So the art director will like compile like, mm-hmm like notes for you that will help you on your journey they'll be like okay so this line is supposed to be like lines in the show are hand-drawn or lines in the show are to be this uh pixel wide or like you know they have little breaks in them and stuff like that so Mm. they will like help you and i think Mm -hmm. every show there is like a little adjustment period for the first few weeks where you're kind of like trying to figure out like the style and you're trying to get used to it so i think it's normal to have a little Mm. bit of an adjustment period but other than that i think it was a fun challenge for me um and i like at the end of the day like looking at my portfolio and seeing different kinds of styles because that also really helps you when you're Mm -hmm. trying to look for work and you can show people like look i've got all of these different styles and and, you Mm -hmm. know all of these different ranges and you build that once you're you know you get more shows under your belt so yeah it's it's fun it's fun like working in different styles yeah Could you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about how you uh, landed your Night at the Museum gig? Like as your first sort of big break, as you described it. Yeah, believe it or not, it was through application. (laughs) I know a lot of people are like, uh, you know, it's hard to get through application. And I would say it is, but it was through um, Atomic Cartoons, which is a studio in um, Canada. So it's it's not like Mm. super big, like maybe Cartoon Network or Disney TVA maybe. So maybe it's probably easier to get through just by applying. Um, and it was literally just, yeah, I just responded to one of their job openings and um, I had a interview and that was, that was it. I just got through that. So I would like say like, especially like for people coming up um, in the industry, like just apply to even like the smaller studios as well, like anything that you can see. Um, you never know, like, um, you know, where you might get mm-hmm. in and where that might lead you. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say mm-hmm. that Atomic is a smaller studio because it's probably one of the <laughs> bigger studios that I work. Yeah, at. no, I mean it is really big. <laughs> it's just, yeah, they have like, uh, when when I was there, they we had like a little town meeting or whatever, and they were like, we have two thousand something employees, and I was like, wow. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, across many many productions (laughs) yeah yeah like it's not as like um it's not like you know disney tva or cartoon network well not cartoon network anymore (laughs) nickelodeon yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah (laughs) more name recognition i feel like like it's not as recognized yeah yeah it's easier to like get into places like that yeah yeah but but i I totally get what you mean (laughs) Mm -hmm. so Something I'm really curious about is how do you think your education at the University of Hertfordshire 
in England prepared you for the animation industry? Yeah, so I was really lucky to go to a fantastic university. I had an, an amazing time at the university. And one of the reasons why was because I had really chill professors and they just kind of let us do anything. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I'm a bit like I'm a big advocate for like experimenting when you're at uni, when you're a student. And our lectures really encourage that. And I went to uni on a like a 2D animation program. So I was thinking I would be an animator. Um, and for my second year, mm. they were like, mm. you've got to make films now. So I was like, okay, I'll make this film on my own. I'm not going to have any like help on this. So I did everything from animating to the art, to the backgrounds, to the designs, everything. And I realized I hated animating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And so for my third year, I was like, I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to do a pitch Bible. And my lectures were totally cool with it. And they allowed me to do that. And a lot of the art that I used in my pitch Bible ended up on my portfolio, which ended up getting my first job. So that's what I, I think really helped me in my career was just that my professors really allowed me to do whatever I really wanted. And it was just a really great time. Yeah. Experimentation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you find a difference in experience from like your American peers um, going to like university like in England versus the States? I guess even Canadian, right? Like yeah. the different yeah. studios you've worked at, maybe people you've met. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, when I was looking at universities, I was also looking at universities in America. And the fact that they were insanely expensive mm. was definitely a factor that put me off (laughs) i was just like oh yeah how is this possible like Mm. uh, four (laughs) years i don't think i want to study for four years (laughs) it's three years in england so that was a big factor (laughs) oh yeah we're done and dusted in three years yeah so i think i feel like what i've heard uh, i don't you guys could maybe tell me more about that but like i feel like it's more intense in america like the art university like they really like grind you so i think what i really liked about my university was that Mm. how chill it was but like you know the thing i guess i might have probably missed out on was all the cool internships and opportunities that you guys might get to do that maybe we did not especially in the 2d Mm. scope of things I, i don't think there was as much um opportunity for us in england at that time hopefully it's better now but So I think that was like the difference, probably how like relaxed it was and how much we were allowed to experiment. I feel like there were a lot of universities in America that are like, you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to do it in this style or maybe like some styles are looked down upon, like maybe anime and stuff like that. So before us, we were really like encouraged to like do what we like. Mm -hmm. And that was, Mm -hmm. you know, something that I really appreciated. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's really cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I would say it, it, in America, it probably mm-hmm. does vary from program to program, but I think right. it is pretty like rigorous, I would say, mm-hmm. um, at least from what I've heard from pe- other people's previous experiences. And like, it's cool to see that you had professors that were willing to like let you experiment or let you do kind of what you wanted and wasn't super like, no, has to be this way. Because it, again, it paid off for you. You made a pitch bubble that got you your first gig and you made things that was specifically benefited you in your career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think as students, I mean, you've got like, 
your whole life of doing what other people want you to do. So I think university is a really great time to do what you want to do, do the style that you want, do like find your own voice, find your own things that you like. I think that's when you should be able to do those things. So I'm happy that I got that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think what you were mentioning earlier about like looking at American schools and being like, wow, that's uh, expensive and uh, for a long time. I think that definitely plays a role in like, you know, trying your hardest while you're at university because you're spending a lot of money to be there in the first place. You're like, if Mm -hmm. I do well, then, you know, that'll help me in the future. And that might be, you know, kind of true, but you should also make stuff that you like yeah. (laughs) because people will you know gravitate towards that uh and Mm -hmm. i know it's hard when you're like working full-time on all of your art projects but like i i do wish that we had sort of a little bit more freedom to just like explore our styles like i I mean personally at our university i didn't Mm -hmm. get that as much i think it was very geared towards like Mm -hmm. this is quote unquote industry right now like you have to do these things sort of thing Mm. Yeah. And like, I guess I understand where they're coming from, because they might be thinking, this is what will get you hired, right? Mm -hmm. But look, I got hired doing my own style. So I I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's completely true as well. I think a lot of recruiters have also told me, um, we want to see your voice. We don't want to see, you know, generic things all the time. And we want to see what you like. So um, yeah, I think that's important too. Mm So you actually recently finished taking a ceramics class and even more recently completed a biz dev class online. What are your thoughts on kind of continuing education while you're a working professional? Yeah, so I love studying. I absolutely adore it. Um, I'm always taking some class or the other. I think when Mm. I did my biz dev class, I was already working as a background designer. So I feel like I felt like I had that part down. And I was like, I think I might be interested in doing visual development now. And a way to Mm -hmm. help me get things on my portfolio was through that class because it sets you up a structure. It makes you actually make art because there are deadlines, because there's someone Mm. critiquing your work and you kind of like want to show up and have stuff for them to critique. And also, you know, the person teaching is usually someone in the industry. And so you get like, you get to learn Mm -hmm. from someone who's already doing the kind of job that you might want to do one day. So that's, Mm -hmm. I feel like exciting. And also like, it's a great way Mm -hmm. to experiment again, like with different kinds of roles in the industry and to get like that work in your portfolio with other kinds of classes that aren't really necessarily animating animated related like ceramics and i did like a resale workshop Mm -hmm. as well recently um it's just like i've just really loved doing stuff that's creative but that's but not necessarily um animating animated related um just because like i feel like if i draw Mm -hmm. too much i'm gonna get burnt out um and that's just a nice way of doing something else and ceramics mm. is really really fun and i love making stuff with my hands and like you can hold it you mm-hmm. know at the end and mm-hmm. that's just so like ugh, satisfying for me you know mm-hmm. but yeah mm-hmm. and also like i was living in india for like a year and a half I, like before i moved to la last september so and i didn't have those resources available to me like those kind of classes mm. and then once i was in la i was like i want to take all the classes so um yeah if, yeah, if 
if you live in areas where you can take those classes, definitely highly recommend because you get to go out and make stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Take advantage. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends have been doing stuff like that. Like, uh, I think one of my friends, I think Colton is taking a ceramics class also yeah. or some kind of like pottery <laughs> class. And then uh, some other friends I saw were taking like glass blowing kind of thing. I don't know <gasps> if they did for a long time, cool. but that's I was cool. like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in Los Angeles specifically, but I, I think in like sort of metro areas, you can definitely find like, yeah. you know, lots of the arts sort of uh, mm-hmm. classes you could take. And it's exciting, you know, like you're making stuff that's different and that you can mm-hmm. hold physically. It's really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we start, to kind of wind down, one of the things we want to ask you is, how does your cultural background influence you and your art? Well, I'm really inspired by Islamic and Mughal and also like South Asian art. I feel like it's like really intricate Mm -hmm. and it has like, Mm -hmm. it's almost like the artists are like their pieces is like an ode to nature, like even through their geometrical designs, I feel like are even Mm -hmm. like, imitating nature and um i like to bring that um detail into my artwork that like this color schemes the like i like to situate situate a lot of my art and my subjects in nature i feel like that's something that really um inspires me apart from that i feel like storytelling is Mm -hmm. a big thing in my culture i grew up with my parents telling me stories before bed while i was eating my grandparents you know and they were almost always fantastical, like there's always like a mm-hmm. magical creature mm-hmm. or something like that. And I feel like I, a lot of it is something that is comforting to me. And I like to bring to my art style. Like I like fantasy in my art. I like magic. I Like I mm-hmm. want someone looking at my work to be like, I'm in this cozy, magical place. And um, that's my favorite kind of like response I get from anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think because I had that upbringing like i like to have that in my art and that's how like it inspires me that's that's really well put i love that yeah absolutely it's yeah it's really nice that you say like um i do love that about sort of like uh indian or like south asian art is that they have a lot of that sort of like really fine detail in things yeah um yeah thinking of Mm. like what can I say about this? It's like I saw some sand art recently that was like what you said, like geometric, but it was also like you could feel that it was like sort of like inspired by like leaf shapes or like the natural world. And it was like, yeah, yeah you're making geometric patterns, but it's like, oh, I can feel the flow. Exactly. Of, like, yeah. Life mm. And like nature through it. And like, oh, I think that's so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like what you said about the details, it's like, I feel like you can tell like an art piece is someone's art through like the details like the character that they put in and um yeah like i think that's where mm. i find the most joy is like all the little details that i put in i feel like once you look at my work you'll be like this is your stress piece because i see like mm. i see her like hand you know going through the art somehow through the details if that makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Yusra. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you would like to promote? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. It's at Yusra 
Arts, um, and that's Y-U-S-R-A-R-T-S, both platforms. Um, anything to promote, I guess, um, watch the show that I'm working on at A24 once it comes out next year. It's called Number One Happy Family USA. It's about a um, Muslim family um, and how they deal with um you know, post 9-11, how they deal with everything that goes on um, after that. Um, mm. And it's it's just really, um, mm. it's first of its kind. It's funny. It's unique. Um, Frog and Toad is coming out, um, I think, mm-hmm. this end of this month as well on Apple TV+. Plus. That's really cute as well. Um, and yeah. Really excited awesome. for both of those. The number mm-hmm. one happy family is something that we needed earlier (laughs) like (laughs) like it really Mm -hmm. sucks that we have not had any sort of like you know middle eastern american visibility in such a long time for sure yeah Mm -hmm. i mean we were um i guess they were like you know on the not so hot list for a long time so i'm glad that we're we're emerging from that and like you know i think there are there'll yeah. be a lot mm-hmm. of people that can not just um middle easterns and muslims because a lot of different cultures were also impacted after 9-11 so i think a lot of people will be able to relate to it on different levels yeah yeah and as we come to a close is there any final advice that you want to bestow on those that want to pursue a career in the animation industry yeah i would say immerse yourself as much as you can watch as many tv shows that are animated and films find out what you like um what you dislike um i think that builds a like it builds you know an artistic library it builds your style it informs all of that um and i think we live in a time where there's so many resources available to us there's so many people from the industry that are willing to impart their knowledge through classes and through portfolio reviews and things like that I would really take advantage of all of those things and um keep at it i've just seen so many people break into the industry the past few years and it's just it's like a virtual party every time that happens and um it will happen for mm-hmm. everyone i feel like whoever keeps at it for sure mm-hmm. yeah beautiful Mm, great advice yeah great advice thank you thanks again Yusra thank you so much and if you audience enjoyed our interview today please rate and follow us on Anchor Spotify or wherever you tune in follow us on Twitter and Instagram at straightaheadap if you have any suggestions for future guests please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com we love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future and finally a big thanks to our music composer Daniel Rodier Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guest who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, Bye everyone. <laughs>